Now, before we proceed with this episode, I do have something important that I need to share with everybody. As you guys know, about two years ago, I did a sketch comedy show called The Going Live Show. And while I was on the show, I worked with a very talented cast and became friends with practically every cast member on the show. And one friend that I had in particular, her name was Tata Sharice. Now, if you watch the Going Live show, you know who Tata is. She was basically um, the public defender. That was her uh, main gimmick on the uh, show. That was the main character she played, and she did that quite a few times. And if you saw the um, Hood Exorcist sketch, uh, she played the mother in the sketch. Like, I played the, uh, the priest that was trying to, you know, get the demon out of her son in the sketch uh she played the mom and i played the priest going the power of christ compels you like that was me well sadly this past christmas eve uh tata sharice was carjacked at gunpoint while coming home from a comedy show now the good news is she is not hurt physically the bad news is her car was stolen and the merchandise that she sells after shows was stolen as well and she currently has a gofundme page set up to help her raise the money that she needs to get a new car and order more merch so she can you know get back to selling merch and get out there performing and what i'm gonna do is i am going to read the synopsis of her gofundme page to further illustrate what she's looking for rather than try to paraphrase it so this is on her gofundme page hey y'all so i got carjacked i'm no stranger to obstacles or overcoming tough times but what recently happened to me was something i really wasn't prepared for i was carjacked at gunpoint by two men on christmas eve coming home from a show comedy is now the majority of my income so my car was very important to me because it's how I get to most shows. Also, all of my Tata Sharice merchandise was in the trunk of my car, which is another big part of my income. I'm blessed to be alive. I do about five to 10 shows a month and I'm really grinding. I don't plan to give up at all, but I'm creating this GoFundMe to help speed things up so I can get back to doing what I love and bring joy to others. Anything that anybody can contribute would be greatly appreciated and used to go towards a car and to replace my merchandise that I sell at shows. I appreciate the support and my spirit has not been broken. Thank you for the love that people have already showed me and anything further helps. I just entered year six of my stand-up comedy career and it has been an incredible journey. I've hit amazing milestones and so far I've performed in over 200 shows nonstop, but I can't let this sit situation slow me down and as i mentioned before tata sharice is a friend of mine i've worked with her before she is hilariously funny and a tremendous talent and i am encouraging all of the Boochcast fans to donate money to tata sharice's gofundme to help her get back on her feet get back on the road and get back to doing what she does best so from now until the gofundme page is completed i am going to be putting the link to her GoFundMe page on every single Boochcast episode going forward inside the synopsis so you can use it to go there and do whatever you can to help her out. I will also be providing links on the Boochcast social media pages so you can access them there as well. So go to the link, donate what you can, and help Tata Sharice get back to bringing joy and laughter to the world. Lutes. Files. Irritating little crumb horns. Gaze at the person across from you now. Feel the sweet spark of connection. If you don't screw up this moment somehow, maybe you won't die alone don't be too needy or bring up your ex don't say the words her peace simplex don't ever mention you've never had sex trust me i promise she knows and now her defenses are starting to fall smile and return her affection if you don't manage to ruin it all maybe you won't 
What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to the recap of NXT. And, of course, ladies and gentlemen, joining me here on The Boochcast, he is the NXT correspondent. He's been woken. Yep. He's been broken. Absolutely. And now he's just broke. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the Bootscast, the one, the only, the broke soulless ginger, Mr. Zach Scott. What's up, dude? Dude, that's just to be the broke soldier, ginger, Zach Scott. Speaking, speaking, I'm not that broke. But this card tonight was bleh. You didn't enjoy this card? Did you? Uh, parts I did, parts I didn't. Um, but of course, ladies and gentlemen, if you're hearing different audio this week, that's because uh, the broke soul is Ginger is apparently so broke he could not come to the studio this week. Um, so he's having to call in through the phone. We are hoping there will be no technical issues that I have to circumvent. So we will, we shall see what happens this week. Well, shall see. All right. Well, we are here for NXT, and this is, of course, week one of Gold Rush, which is uh, a new thing that NXT is coming out with, where basically there's a week one and a week two. So this is Gold Rush week one. Next week will be Gold Rush week two. And over the span of these two weeks, every single NXT title is on the line, with an extra title being thrown into the mix. But we'll get in. But we'll get into. But we'll get into that a little later in the show, because now we kick things off with our first official match of the evening for the North American Championship. Wesley defends the title against Tyler Bate with Mustafa Ali as the guest referee. Was this messy as hell? It was messy. It was one big clusterfuck. I don't know what was going on. Mustafa Ali is supposed to—he was going too fast, and all of a sudden, right towards the end of the match, Wesley—he bought, uh, picked up uh, Wesley when he got thrown out of the ring. Vinny, refs are not supposed to do that, right? No, but here's the thing, though. In this particular circumstance, Mustafa Ali is a special guest referee. Anytime in a match, there is a special guest referee. There is going to be fuckery because even though technically the wrestler is supposed to be a ref, they do not behave like normal refs. It's like when they would have back in the day when Shane McMahon would be appointed as a guest referee. Everyone knows the reason Vince would have his son Shane ref a match would be to screw over the babyface. That is the intention. That's why usually a referee will come out to make the count if the babyface is scheduled to win the match. Or a lot of times Shane won't count the pinfall, even though it's clearly there for him to count. Or like when he did to Austin, where it went one, two, and then he flipped off Stone Cold. Basically, I'm not counting for you, motherfucker. Like, special guest referees are bound to do that. What Mustafa was doing, for whatever reason, was he was being a crooked ref, but he wasn't playing favorites. Because if you notice, he did fast counts on both these guys, if you notice that. It's not like he was screwing over Tyler Bate to help Wesley or screwing over Wesley to help Tyler Bate. He was fucking with both these guys throughout the night. And, of course, it was pissing them off. So that was the whole goal of the match, was for Mustafa Ali to play a bunch of mind games. And then, of course, in the end, Lee jumps back into the ring, hits a cardiac kick to Bate, and Ali has to leap out of the way to avoid it. And Lee pins Bate one, two, three to retain the title. And Ali holds both their arms in the air, and they're staring at Ali as if he has 16 heads. Like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? So Tyler Bate ends up retaining the title. I mean, bruh. so Wesley ends up retaining the title. And as a result, uh, we don't know what's going to happen with Tyler Bate. And I have no idea what Mustafa Ali's game plan is here. Like, that's the thing. Nothing he did in this match makes any sense. Like, what's the point? What are you doing? Is he going to turn on these guys? Is he going to turn on one and not the other? What the fuck is he doing? Nothing in this match made any fucking sense. Logically. It's like they're doing this just to fucking do it. I can see that. Yeah, but so far, like, he's got something up his sleeve there, guys. I don't know what it is, but eventually we're going to hopefully find the fuck out. Yes. Anyways... Yeah. On that think? on that note, we cut to the Chase U Pep Rally. Uh, Duke Hudson introduces tonight's honoree and future youngest NXT Women's Champion Thea Hale. Hale comes to the ring, flanked by Gaba Gulak, Charlie Dempsey, and a few cheerleaders. 
Hale says her most significant accomplishment this past year was graduating high school. She never wanted to go to college. She wanted to be an NXT superstar. Gulak is appalled that Hale just graduated high school. Hale thanks Andre Chase, Hudson, and even Dempsey and Gulak. Next week, Hale promises to give Tiffany Stratton a Chase U-sized ass-whipping. Stratton interrupts and says Hale is the dumbest person in the building if she thinks she can win. She has a 0% chance of winning. Hudson says Hale will take the title off of Stratton at age 19. Hudson says Stratton may not believe in Hale, but he does, and so does all of Chase U and everyone watching at home. Stratton says not only will Hale not beat her, but she won't tap her out either. Hale latches onto Stratton and taps her in a Kimura. Stratton immediately taps out. Stratton rolls out of the ring as Hale parades around the ring with the NXT women's title. This is probably one of the entertaining things about this whole card. This was actually a really good promo. Hudson was like, I'm doing this, I could have done this, but no, I want to be a professional wrestler. And then, of course, Jenny Stratton had to come out there, guys, and saying her uh, little mean things. You don't have a chance, you can't beat me, blah, blah, blah. I didn't know she was 19. I think she's a little bit older than that. And of course, uh, Duke Hudson was paging around and uh, uh, then Stratton got the Camaro locked on her and taps out. Even though we know for a fucking fact that Hale's not going to win this, but it's still hopefully it's a good night out of squash. You never know what could happen because NXT stupid sometimes. Go ahead, Vinny. I doubt this is going to be a squash. If you're building this up just to make it a squash, then you're literally wasting TV time. I seriously doubt, and I could be wrong because WWE has not always been known for logical booking. But it makes no sense to do this type of buildup only for the match to be a squash. You don't invest this amount of time in a squash match. Especially if it's somebody you have zero plans of pushing. Now, there is one aspect of this promo that bothered me. And it's the part where Thea says, I never wanted to go to college. Really? Okay. You didn't want to go to college. Okay, Thea. Now, I'm sure for a shoot... You probably didn't want to go to college. You wanted to go straight into professional wrestling, sports entertainment. I get it. Um, There's this one eensy-weensy but ever so significant little tiny detail. You're part of Chase U! I'm sorry. Isn't this not a university? Wasn't your debut? Last I checked, when Thea Hale debuted on NXT... She talked about, you know, I want to become a professional wrestler. I also want to finish college. WWE is going to let me finish college, and I'm going to choose the college I'm going to go to. They made that so realistic. We're literally sitting here wondering. We're actually thinking, is she going to go to Florida State? Is she going to go to GS? Is she going to go to UGA? Is she going to go to Alabama? Where the fuck are you going to college? And it ends up being Chase U, and then we realize, okay, okay, this is a gimmick. She's not really going to college. But how do you say you never wanted to go? to college and you're in fucking chase you i don't know zach does that make sense to you at all um no i think you explained it perfectly yeah so you can see why i thought that was stupid yes i do never wanted to go to college (laughs) bitch you're in a college what the fuck whatever i'm just saying that's the only thing i found wrong with this promo is you 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 can't say i don't want to go to college you're, you're in a college. The Chase U is considered a college, okay? You're supposed to stay in the kayfabe world of wrestling. Kayfabe. Why is this such a dead concept today? I don't know. And and what really pisses me off is the fact that Shawn Michaels approved this shit. Because I'm assuming they wrote this was a structured promo. I I refuse to believe they're given creative control to write their own promos. I'm pretty sure there was a writing team there. And if there was a writing team there, one of you motherfuckers should have figured this out. That how do we tell people she never wanted to go to college when her whole gimmick is being a college student? That's, that's the whole point of Chase U. Everybody at Chase U should have been looking at her like, I'm sorry, what? You don't want to go to college? And why are you here? You could have been an NXT star without joining Chase U. Why are you here? Go be a crazy chihuahua off campus. That was so fucking dumb. But she made up for it with the great Kimura lock, which is weird. You don't see too many women that can do that. Hell, you don't see a lot of wrestlers using the Kimura. Most of the time, it's Brock Lesnar and whoever's wrestling Brock Lesnar. But I'm just saying, for I'm just saying, I I don't know if Thea has a MMA background. I don't see I don't seem to find one here. No, she's trained in gymnastics 
and she's a six-time champion in state pole vaulting. So obviously that's where she's at right now, but that's just, that was very bad and consistent writing, but does not change the fact that I look forward to this women's titles match, women's title match next week. And I expect it to be great. And on that note, we cut to the backstage area where the Creebers are with Ivy now watching a schism promo. Brutus says they will send them packing if schism doesn't want to be here. Okay. You have any idea why this was here? Um, um I don't know. Me neither. Okay. I, I, just, they, I guess they're just wasting time. I mean, the schism was, I think the schism at one point was having some kind of weird argument. And they were doing the whole, you know, I think Ava Reigns trying to keep everyone together because I think there's, I think there's starting to become dissension within schism. And Ava's the one right now that's keeping everyone together. So it's almost like, it's almost like she's becoming the leader, even though Joe Gacy's supposed to be the leader. Vinny, what? I think she's going to take over like The Rock did with the nation. I hadn't thought of that till just this moment, but <laughs> that could totally be history repeating itself. <laughs> Vinny, if that happens, I want you to say something. I want to say, Zach, you're awesome. Oh, yeah, totally. Oh, oh, no, trust me. If it happens, <laughs> if it happens, you will get the props and the cool points. Absolutely. Zach's calling I'm it right now. Ava, Ava Rain will be the new leader of Schism and kicks out Joe Gacy, and it's the <laughs> Rock and Farouk <laughs> all Gacy. over again. <laughs> it probably won't happen, but if it does happen, I'm going to go up big. Ha, ha. You know what would be even funnier? What was that? If she holds uh if she does if she holds a party in the ring and gives like the dyad some watches and Joe Gacy a picture of Ava. Oh god. Remember when The Rock <laughs> did that to the, for the nation? It's been years. Yeah. He bought he bought D Lo, uh Mark Henry, I think it was Mark Henry, and Kama Mustafa Rolex watches. And then for Ron for Farouk, he gave him a picture of the rock. And he was so pissed. Because Farouk's sitting there thinking, oh, I'm, oh, these guys are getting Rolex. I must be getting a kick-ass gift. And he's looking at him like, motherfucker. <laughs> oh, I, I would love to see that. I, the, the part is, I did not even think of that. So this is a this is a first. This is the first time Zach's thought of something logical that I didn't come up with. This is this is historic right here. And then we move well, on. Thanks. You're Fuck you. What? I just yeah, paid you a compliment, motherfucker. Actually. All right, if it happens, we're gonna laugh. All right, moving on. Yeah. And then we cut to a Twitter page, NXT Anonymous, with JC Jane and Lyra Valkyra basically confronting each other. Lyra basically was talking. JC was basically. JC was basically talking shit, and Lyra was like, you want to fight? And she's basically saying no, and as soon as you walked away, she goes, I probably should get your face in. Um, I just have one question. Why? Yes. Why does this page still exist? Didn't we already establish oh. that Blair Davenport was the person watching everybody? Or was she just the person attacking people, and the anonymous oh. is somebody else? Like, is that what I'm supposed to believe right now? Because oh. I don't know why the fuck this is here, and what the fuck the point of this is. Me neither. It shouldn't be here. It's wasting time. You know, j just Get show the backstage confrontation. Get the fuck off my TV. Exactly. <laughs> All right. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. This is a triple threat oh, number one contenders tag fuck. match with the winning team to face Gallus next week. We got Briggs and Jensen with Fallon Henley versus Hank and Tank versus Malik Blade and Idris Anofi. I don't know what to think of this, Vinny. What about you? This was this. They were all over the place. Nobody could stay in the ring. Did you know that for that with that match? Seriously. And all of a sudden, Blade and Anofi are the number one contenders. What the fuck? So apparently, from the voice of silence from Vinny Bucci here, Vinny, you want to take this one and beat the death of the baseball bat? Uh, well, I will say this: Dallas is winning next week. Yes, they are. The only way I see Malik and Idris winning is if there is fuckery and interference. Now, there is one theory that could make them win, but I'm not going to get into it right now because I don't want to skip ahead to what happens later in the show. But I will say this. I felt like the wrong team won because obviously this is not a team I would push. But if Gallus is going to win and I'd rather they have a victory over them than a victory over like Briggs and Jensen because Briggs and Jensen, if they're going to face Gallus, they should win. That's a team that needs to go over because they are deserving of being tag team champions. I would definitely not give Hank and Tank the belts because they are also a jobber tag team. Briggs and Jensen are the only credible team in this triple threat match. So the only logic that I could bring to making Malik and Idris the winners is if you want Gallus to hold on to the belts for a little while longer. Then I can see, okay, this is why you want to keep the belts on these guys. Because you don't want Gallus to lose yet. Because why the fuck would you make them the tag team champions? They're not entertaining. They don't draw money. 
Nobody gives a shit about them. They are obsolete on this roster. But that being said, there were a lot of combo moves that I thought were great. I liked uh, I liked when uh, Briggs uh, threw, uh, I think it was Idris, into the ropes, and he bounced back and clotheslined him on the floor. I thought that was a great spot. Uh, I did like the one where, where uh, I think it was Malik hit the guy in the gut, bounced off his back, and hit a drop kick. Uh, it looked believable because there was no wasted motion. That's why it was good. He kicked him in the gut, and then he kind of jumped up and went there and for the drop kick. So it kind of worked, although he did sit there for quite a while. He did sit there for a little while, but even though there was a bit of a wait, to the untrained eye, it's not that noticeable. Like, I'm able to spot it because I'm trained to spot it. But if you're just a regular fan and you're not trained to spot this shit, you wouldn't have noticed. So I did like some of the spots. Some of the tag team moves were done well. So we're good tag team combo spots. But overall, it was all over the place. And like I said, unless you're looking for Gallus to retain, the wrong team won. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't agree with you on that. All right, sure. Yes. And on that note, we cut to the backstage area with Damon Kemp, who tells Eddie Thorpe they will have a raw underground style match. Thorpe accepts. Off screen, there is commotion where Roxanne Perez is being pulled off of Blair Davenport by referees and officials. Okay. And we're going to have to wait two weeks to see this right here. Once again, waste of fucking time. Get the fuck off my TV, please. Thank you. Go away. Don't come back ever again. Wait, this was a waste of time for you? Yeah, it was. So basically, we're going to have to wait two weeks for these guys to go against each other. And Roxanne Perez and Blair Davenport. I was just like, okay, get the hell off my TV, please. Because I really don't care for Eddie Thorpe or really Damon Kemp. So, yay. Wait a minute. So, let me see if I get this straight. Did they actually say that the match was in two weeks? Yeah, that's what I heard. They will have a raw underground style t- match, but they just not saying on the website here. But I did overhear saying that, or I could be the third. I mean, I, I I was under the impression it was next week. I think it's from two weeks from now. I don't if, know. If it is two weeks from now, then it's probably because they want to get something interesting for that show. Because you do have to bear in mind they got a NXT Gold Rush is basically title matches. So I think they're trying to do something where okay, we need we need an incentive for people to tune in after this gold rush thing, so we'll throw that in there. So if that's the case, then I'm all for it. Otherwise, I see no reason why they wouldn't have this match next week. Now, what's funny is some people remember Raw Underground and others do not. And what's funny is a lot of people, seriously, a lot of people, did not particularly care for Raw Underground. What I liked about it was, for those of you who don't remember, Shane McMahon hosted Raw Underground. And what they would do is they would use, I can't remember if it was like the first, I think it was like the second or the third hour of Raw would be Raw Underground. And I think it was something they were trying to add to get people to to get people to enjoy the three-hour concept of Raw. Because there's a lot of fans, even to this day, that still hate the fact that Monday Night Raw is three hours long. And most of them wish it would go back to two hours. Obviously, that's never going to happen. Because the advertising revenue that they get from that third hour is too much money for them to throw away. And basically what it is, is there would be like a ring in like this back area with no ropes. And it's basically MMA style fighting in WWE. Like it's basically, this was the fight pit before there was a fight pit, if that makes any sense. Okay, we'll see what happens. I swear I heard two weeks. I could be wrong, but it's probably going to be two weeks because next week is Go Rush week two. So it's going to be two weeks. Yeah. I could be wrong. I'm excited because I'll be, I'm actually excited to see this match now because, like I said, I enjoyed Raw Underground. A lot of people didn't. I did. I like the fact they were doing something different. And they were also selective with the people they brought in, like Braun Strowman was in there, Dabakato. In fact, I think Dabakato debuted on Raw Underground before he was sent to NXT. So Dabakato used to do this, and Dabakato was badass until finally uh, Braun Strowman was the one to end uh, his streak. And then the Hurt Business, they they were in Raw Underground. Uh, Eric Rowan went into Raw Underground. I think the Viking Raiders did it. Uh, Jasmine Duke and Billy Kay. So even some of the women did it. Kevin Owens and Aleister Black. Like Raw Underground was like was kind of like Fight Club meets MMA. You know. So I I'm look, looking forward to this match. What I'm not looking forward to is Roxanne Perez and Blair Davenport. I can give a fuck less about that. And, Neither could I. And then, of course, we had the backstage area where we see the world heavyweight champion Seth Rollins, who's face to face with the NXT champion Carmelo Hayes. 
And uh, basically, they're giving each other their props. And, you know, basically, you know, Carmelo's making sure that Seth is okay to face Braun Breaker. Seth says, I don't miss, which was kind of good. Because for a moment, it looked like they were going to fight. But then they were showing, hey, everything's cool between uh, him and the Visionary. Okay, I can see that. Yeah, I saw that. I was like, well, we'll see what happens tonight. Otherwise, and I was like, okay, they're just grasping each other. They're ball busting each other. Just, hey, how you doing? What's up? He's like, yeah, blah, 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 what we do. Anyways, yeah. what do you think? Then, of course, we cut to the next match of the evening. Oh, dear God. We have Cora Jade one-on-one against Dana Brooke. What the fuck was this? Did you um, call this a match? This was incredibly stupid. It was stupid. No, the part why it was so stupid because it went too fucking long. I mean, as soon as Dana broke kayfabe her knee, or if it's not kayfabe, they should have turned her out, and Corday would have won something. But they had to drag this on and drag it on, drag it on, and Corday won because the ref stopped the match. I was like, okay, and why? Okay, this is make sense. Many, you're better at this than me. Please explain to the children. Yeah. Basically, Brooke hurts her knee in the match. Now, I can't tell if it's a kayfabe injury or a shoot injury. I think it's kayfabe. I want to say it was a knee strike to Brooke's knee. Um, And she tries, every time she tries to go for a move, her knee would give out. And then they try to stretcher her out, but she gets off the stretcher. She tries to go for a slam, and her knee gives out. Then Jade does a chop block to the injured knee. So from a psychology standpoint, this all makes sense, especially when she locks in the single-leg crab on Dana Brooks' injured knee. Now, Dana is not tapping out, but she is clearly going after the injured knee. So eventually, even though Dana does not tap out, eventually the referee stops the match because apparently they can tell Dana's not going to tap, but the referee has to, you know, prevent injury. So a lot of times the referee has the authority to stop a match or stop a fight. It's kind of like in UFC um, when, when and we, and Zach, we talked about this on the uh, dark side of the nineties. Um, when, oh. when a, when a fighter is unable to continue and clearly is knocked out and can't defend themselves, the referee has the right to stop the fight. And that was a rule that was implemented by the referee who basically said, I will resign from my position if I'm not allowed to stop the fight because I can't sit here and watch these guys get pummeled because the corner man refuses to throw the towel in. So they gave the ref the authority. And the referee stoppage is something that's happened a lot in matches where the ref might stop the match if he feels like things are too barbaric or things are not going well. And she knew Dana wasn't going to tap, but they also knew that that knee was seriously injured. So the ref just went, fuck it. I'm going to stop this match. And they, and Cora Jade wins by referee stoppage. Now, because she won by referee stoppage, this does open the door for another match down the road. And if they do have another match down the road, Dana Brooke damn well better win. Like I said, this needs to be a resurgence for Dana Brooke. Because Dana is somebody you can make money with if you book her properly. Hell, she could have made money years ago for this company. But they mismanaged her so badly. Cora Jade, you can't make money with Cora Jade. She's not that good. She's really not. She ain't. She, she tries, work. but that's the only thing. Yeah, she's not a good worker. She doesn't stand out. Her gimmick is trash. There's nothing you can get from her. And then we cut to the backstage area where we see Von Wagner and Mr. Stone. And apparently, uh, they ha- you know, obviously, Mr. Stone had some questions that Von Wagner is finally willing to answer. And apparently he had some type of brain disease or something where apparently he had to have his head operated on in order to fix it. And he was like a 15-month-old baby in a 14-hour surgery in order to fix his head. And he gave a good chunk of the story uh, to Mr. Stone, who now has a better understanding of Von Wagner. But even though Mr. Stone had more questions, Von said, that's all I'm going to reveal for now. So obviously they're going to keep this story going, but at least now we finally have some explanation on this whole fucking thing because Jesus Christ, this is getting annoying. It was getting annoying. Who's the person to picture? And then we all figured it's probably him. It did turn out to be him. I had to go through a really bad surgery. They called me horrible names. So like, well, at least you have your hair. You can hide it. But otherwise, and I was like, okay, we'll see where this goes because eventually I want Bar Wagner back in that ring. Think about it. Think about it. A good match between Bogmaner and Barry Corbin. That will be good. Just saying. Well, anyways. Well, yeah. Well, everybody knows saying. that match is going to be great. But this is not. Well, here's the thing. Bob Wagner can wrestle. 
Remember, this this was a, something that happened to him when he was a kid. So it's not like he's on the show. It's just that they're not really having him in the ring. They just got them telling this um story that he wants to tell. Okay, I see that. He finally told his story, so we'll see what happens. Yeah. Hopefully, get, uh, hopefully this gets uh, better this. Yeah. But like I said, it's really, really great because it now gives depth to his character. Like, hey, my skull was prematurely fused. They had to fix it with surgery. People called him a monster. Like... Here's the thing. If Von Wagner is going to be a babyface, this is the perfect way to do it. Stories like this help you to get sympathy from a crowd. Because that's the key thing about a babyface. Is in order to be a successful babyface, you have to be likable on some level. It it is hard to play the good guy if you're not likable. And that's something that a lot of people in the business today do not understand. And it's not just in the ring, it's also out of the ring. People have to actually fucking like you. There has to be something about you that makes you relatable on some level to the audience. Now, you don't want to be completely relatable. You just want to be somewhat relatable. You got to have some type of inspiration behind you to be a successful babyface. And if you're the heel fighting that babyface, you got to find that babyface's weakness and use it against them. Now, this is the perfect story because this helps you get sympathy for Von Wagner because you're like, oh my God, I can't believe you went through that as a baby. You poor, poor person, you know? But the fact that kids used to tease him and call him a monster... A heel can use that to his advantage to fuck with him. And if you need an example of this, it was back when Alexa Bliss feuded with Nia Jax. Obviously, Alexa knew that she could not physically beat up Nia Jax. She can't. Look at the size difference. But Alexa, but because Alexa and Nia were friends for so long, she knew Nia's deepest insecurities, which is like most big girls, they're they're insecure about their weight. So she would fat shame Nia to fuck with her head. And that's how she was able to one-up Nia all the way up to WrestleMania. And the reason it worked was because when they fought at WrestleMania, Nia won the belt. If Alexa Bliss had gone over at WrestleMania 34, that whole entire story would have been in bad taste. But it worked because in the end, the girl who was being fat shamed overcame the odds. But in order for you to overcome the odds, there must be odds thrown at you. You can't have a testimony without a test. You know, you can't have a story about struggling through life if you don't have the struggle through the, through your life. So this is perfect for Von Wagner because now officially he's a babyface. He is now a babyface, and I want to see him as a babyface. And this is a great way to reintroduce him. And on that note, we cut to the backstage area where we see someone we have not seen a long time and didn't even know if he still fucking worked here. <laughs> Good old Gable Stevenson shows up and offers to train Eddie Thorpe for his match against Damon Kemp. He's like, okay, I'm here to help you because I know I know a thing or two about this guy and the matches that he's in. I was like, where the hell have you been? Okay, Let's see what happens. I mean, I don't know why, but yeah. Now, for those of you who do not know or do not remember, Gable Stevenson is a wrestling Olympic gold medalist. He is the first, yes, Gable Stevenson is the second Olympic gold medalist to enter professional wrestling. Kurt Angle, of course, being the first. He won the Olympic gold medal in freestyle wrestling, just like Kurt Angle did, and he won it at in the 2020 Summer Olympic Games. So he was able to win now apparently he's planning on going for the gold again is the rumor that he wants to try to win it again in 2024 and that's why he hasn't really wrestled in wwe yet they were also they had him training at the performance center and there were some rumors that his training was not progressing as fast as they wanted to so there was talk about whether or not he was even going to even compete in WWE at all. But apparently he's still here. And apparently once he's done competing for the 2024 gold medal, I think after that he's going to come into WWE and actually start doing things. I actually heard at one point there was talks of him, him having a match with Triple H at WrestleMania. Now, of course, this was before Triple H had the defibrillator in his chest and had to retire. But before that happened, back when Triple H was in good health, there was talk of him and of him and Gable having a match at WrestleMania at one point. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Obviously, that won't happen now. But nope. so it's good to know that he's in WWE and they're actually going to put him on TV somewhere. 
And then that is true. Yes. And then we cut to Carmelo Hayes and Baron Corbin. Corbin tells Hayes he doesn't have time to watch him pose. Corbin tells Hayes they have the NXT Championship doesn't mean he's made it. Hayes can't say or do anything Corbin hasn't seen or heard. He notes that Corbin has never seen an NXT Championship reign or the respect of the NXT universe. Hayes notes that Corbin came here because he thinks he can steal his title and become relevant again. Corbin isn't the first person for the main roster to challenge Hayes. Corbin's going to end up on a t-shirt like everyone else. Hayes tries to mention Happy Corbin, but Corbin cuts him off, and Corbin tells Hayes that Happy Corbin bought him a million-dollar house. If they want to compare bank accounts or WrestleMania moments, Hayes will lose every time. Hayes tells Corbin that he had a 10-year head start on him. At 26, Hayes is winning the NXT Breakout Tournament and cashing in to win his first title. At 26, Corbin was getting cut from the Arizona Cardinals. Corbin cringes. That one stung. Hayes says he gives Corbin credit. Hayes isn't here to meet Corbin's expectations. He's going to create expectations of his own. Hayes tells Corbin to check the deed because he now owns this place. He's had to replace the roof because he's torn it down so many times. Hayes is him. Corbin says if Hayes has to come to the ring and tell everyone he's him, he's not. Hayes tries to talk, but Corbin says the lesson is over, tosses the mic at him. Hayes stews as Corbin walks away. This was actually fucking wonderful, wasn't it? Yeah, it was very well done. It was actually very, very well done. They both traded insults in there between them. Um, Carmelo Hayes had a lot of stuff that he had that was true. Eric Corbin said a lot of things that were true. That when they those two go against each other next week, it's going to be very, very, very interesting to see. I don't care who wins because I'd be happy if Carmelo still wins. I'll be happy at Barry and Colburn. We'll see what happens next week. But this right here was actually very good. I was like, the only thing Barry Corbin needs to do is change his name, is change his theme music. Because I'm gonna go home to my house. All right, all right, I'm gonna make I'm gonna, my wife is gonna pour my smoking hot wife is gonna pour me a drink. I was like, eh, he does have the money for it actually. And anyways, we'll see what happens right there. But I thought this actually was very very good. Oh yeah, this was very well done. Um, you know, like I said, this was a very well done segment. It definitely set the tone for next week. And it's basically going to let everybody know that this is going to be the match to see, this NXT championship. It's going to be very intriguing to see how this goes down. That is very, very true, sir. Very interesting. going to be very, very interesting. Yes. Hopefully it doesn't suck. <laughs> and on that note, we cut to, we see Gallus basically walking away, not wanting to answer questions, knowing that they got to face Blade and Anofi next week. Um, Joe Coffey's on the phone with somebody. He tells the guys to go on ahead. He'll catch up. And then all of a sudden, the underboss shows up, beats the hell out of Joe Coffey, puts him in the trunk, and takes off. Uh, yeah, I saw this right here. I was like, I was like, all right, we'll see what happens. Maybe Gallus are the rat fox. But he was like, rat? What are you talking about? A rat? And then he uh, stacks him and then knocked him out, put him into the trunk. I don't know why he tries like putting people into the trunk. Well, because that's the best place to hide the body, dead or alive. Putting it in the trunk is a lot easier because there's no inconvenience. Like, I never understood people that, like, for example, I'll, I'll say this. Um, over the weekend during Father's Day, um, we basically celebrated. My dad just wanted to chill at the house and watch TV. And this one show they were binge watching was a show called Justified. There was one aspect of this show that bugged the shit out of me. Every time they cap they captured somebody, whether it was a U.S. Marshal arresting somebody or someone being held hostage, they always put the body in the back seat. And they would always put the person in the seat directly behind the driver. Y'all are stupid. It's Hollywood. And they're stupid because, first of all, in cop cars, they put people in the back seat. But there's also a plexiglass protector that... That stands between you and the perp in the back seat. So that way the person in the back seat can't get to you. Also, if you look also in cop cars, the back seat doors don't have handles. You can only open it from the outside. So if you're in the back seat of a cop car, you ain't getting out. You ain't. Unless you can break open that window and jump your ass out with your hands behind your back, you ain't getting out of that car. Meanwhile, I'm seeing motherfuckers in the back seat, right behind the person, handcuffed, but they can still kind of move their arms. It's stupid. Also, you always put somebody diagonal from you. Because if a person is directly behind you, they can strangle you. If you ever watched the movie The Irishman, that's why you notice there's that one scene where Robert De Niro gets in the car with this guy, and he makes it very clear, I'm sitting in the back. 
And he's like, no, you can sit up front. We got all nice and stuff. He goes, I will sit there. And he made it very clear. Basically, look at this motherfucker. I'm sitting in the back seat because I know you strangled people from this spot. So I'm not sitting up front. You can go fuck yourself. I'm sitting in the back seat. Now, he didn't say those exact words, but his tone was saying, I'm sitting in the back. He's like, all right, all right, all right. So he sat in the back seat. Uh-uh. I don't trust you motherfuckers. In fact, the only, and that's why when I was a kid, whenever I would get in the car with my dad and I had to sit in the back seat, I always sat behind him. That way, if he got pissed off, he couldn't hit me. That's another lesson I learned. You sit behind him, he can't reach your ass. If you sit in any of the other seats, his hand was, he, he, you know, you're open. It's open season. I'm just saying, like, that's why we put him in the trunk. You put him in the trunk so they can't do shit. The only thing you can do is that one stupid lesson that they give you where you push out the back brake light, stick your hand out, and wave. And that's supposed to be the signal, hey, I'm trapped in here, call 911 or run this motherfucker off the road. Or if there's a cop car there, hey, pull this motherfucker over, he's got me locked in the trunk. That's the only strategy you got. But most people don't know that, so you never do it. But yes, that's why they put them in the trunk, Zach. All right, moving on. Yes, we're moving on to the next match of the evening. Why the fuck is this oh, here? Fuck, <laughs> damn it! You, we have. <laughs> All right, uh, we have Ulisa Leon and Valentina Faraz versus Lash Legend and Jakara Jackson with Noam Dar and Oro Mensa. Um, no, no. You oh put the God. jobber bitches in here. <laughs> Pretty much against Last Legend too. At least Last Legend and Hero Lucky won. They went over. I was like, okay, this was pointless. So I was like fucking with Facebook and checking out some stuff. And I was looking over back and forth. Like, Can you this done with tonight? Because this whole card up and up until uh, uh, this whole card has sucked so far. This is boring as shit. Jesus Christ, man! You're making AEW look good in NXT. Come on now. Do something better here, because I don't hear any ratings. I won't hear a particular person from Virginia. Shut up. I'm just saying, like, Lash and Jakara, they were definitely going to go over. Because, like I said, they went up against the jobber chicks. That's pretty much what happened here. And, of course, they, you know, they attacked them in the aisleway. Um, eventually, we see Lola Voss and Electra Lopez on the stage. They continue the assault. Um, then eventually it leads to Legend hitting the big boot and getting the one, two, three and winning the match for a team. And it was just there. Oh, by the way, a side note, I forgot to mention this earlier. Um, the reason that I think Gallus, you know, I said they may or may not, uh, retain their titles next week is because with Joe coffee in the trunk, if he's not there to help, uh, Malik and Anofi might win. So that was my side note there. I know I meant to mention that. But anyway, yeah, this match was just filler. Nothing special. It shouldn't have even been on this card. This was literally a, a match to kill time before the main event. We like to call filler. I literally just said that. Okay, good and, to know. And on that note, we move on to the main event of the evening for the World WWE. For the WWE World Heavyweight Championship, Seth freaking Rollins defends the title against Braun Breaker. Bad fucking tactic, wasn't it, Benny? I'm going to use a, a phrase that I have not used for NXT in a very long time. Stellar main what? event. Stellar made a fucking event. We already know, guys, that Steph Rollins was going to aim, but at least Braun Breaker and Steph Rollins make it, made sure the main event didn't look like a horse's ass. Like the rest of them. Like the rest of them. All these fucking shitty-ass promos. So this, this right here was great. Seth Rollins sold his ribs real uh, well. For Christ's sake, he put Braun Breaker through the announce table with bruised ribs. And trust me, his bruised and fractured broke ribs suck. But otherwise than that there, guys, this was this was brutal. This was nasty. I mean, these two fine gentlemen beat the living shit out of each other. Yeah. Fantastic fucking match. I loved it. They stayed off the top rope. There was no flippy, flippy bullshit. We saw maybe one super kick. Now, side note, Vinny, I know you don't like talking about this on NXT. How many super kicks did the Young Bucks have to use in the match? Just curious. You know well, how much in the I'm past, they, one time? In the past, they've used <laughs> several. I, I kind of... I don't know how many. Th was 15. Yeah. 15 in one match. Yeah, 15. Yeah. Um, now, the, the Usos are real close to breaking that record, though. They're getting a little too super kick happy. So I can't really put it all on the Bucks. But I don't know too much about how the Bucks wrestle lately. Because as I mentioned before, I've invoked the elite rule. So I don't watch anything that involves them. Like, I've literally shut the TV off. Like, 
I've always said the only positive about mm. them main eventing a dynamite or a pay-per-view or whatever means I get to shut it off early and go to bed. So that's the only good advantage is whenever they when they're the main event, I stop watching the rest of the show. Like, okay, I don't have to watch anything else. I can start the recap or what go to bed or whatever. But when they're in the middle of the show or the beginning, I just put it on mute and I watch and I and I work on something else. But every now and then I have to look over to see if the match is over so I don't miss anything else afterwards. So that's that's the only thing. So I don't know how many of the Young Bucks news now because I don't watch any more of their matches and never will again. That's my plan anyway. Um, but yeah, but Seth doesn't use a lot of super kicks because he doesn't need to, and Braun doesn't use them at all to my advantage, to my knowledge. I've never seen him use a super kick. He's too big. Well, no, no matter your size, you can still kick somebody. Hell, Goldberg Goldberg has a kick that he uses all the time. So I'm just saying it's not outside the realm of possibility for someone to use a super kick. They just don't use them a lot. So anyway, in the end, uh, Rollins hits two curb stomps for the win. Um, it was great. I, hell, we even saw a moment in the match where it looked like Seth was going to hit the pedigree early on. Yeah, we saw that too. So this was a very good match. And then in the end, um, Finn Balor comes out uh, and attacks Seth Rollins on the ramp. And then uh, Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams come out to make the save after uh, Balor beats the crap out of Rollins with the chair. I, so, I didn't see that. Shit. Oh, yeah. Balor, Balor came out afterwards for a post-match beatdown, which was great. And... Here's here's the thing about this though is the fact that Finn Balor is causing all this damage to Seth Rollins. I know Balor's supposed to be the heel, but I'm gonna be honest, it's hard to boo him for doing that. It really is. Because you gotta remember when Balor cut that promo about Seth Rollins taking time off of Balor's career, that wasn't a work. That was a shoot. Because Seth Rollins, for a shoot, he didn't do it intentionally, but it did happen. Seth Rollins injured Finn Balor in the match they had at SummerSlam seven years ago. Finn Bal- Seth Rollins was going for a buckle bomb, but it wasn't in the turnbuckle. It was against the. It was a power bomb against the barricade, which Rollins doesn't do those moves anymore. And thank fucking God, because I hated those moves because he's he's demonstrated he can't do it safely. And he when he power bomb Balor, he let him go like. The timing was off, and if you watch, Finn Balor's looking backwards, and you see him take his arm and stretch it out, and you see his shoulder hit the barricade. Now, the reason Finn Balor did that was because he knew if he didn't do that with his shoulder, his neck would have hit the barricade, and he'd have broke his neck. So he had to sacrifice his shoulder to literally save his own neck, because a injured shoulder, you can come back from that. A broken neck can end you permanently, except for only, there's a very few, very small list of wrestlers that have come back from neck injuries. Off the top of my head, I can only name four. And that's Stone Cold Steve Austin, John Cena, Edge, and Nikki Bella. That That's all I can think of right now. If there's more, then you can comment below and let us know that there's more to it. But... To, but as far as I know, those are the only ones. So a neck injury is not easy to come back from. And this is back during a time when Seth Rollins was very sloppy and very reckless in the ring. He's not sloppy and reckless anymore. He got He's eventually gotten past it. But during that time, he was injuring a lot of people. He injured Balor, he injured Cena, he injured Sting. So Balor to me is not the is not the heel in this feud. It's hard for me to feel bad for Seth Rollins getting hurt in these beatdowns because Rollins is the one who damn near crippled Finn Balor. But still, they're doing a good job of building up to Money in the Bank, which I believe my calculations are correct. It is next Saturday. It is Money in the Bank. But obviously, if you want to hear any thoughts regarding Money in the Bank, tune into the Mail Soap Opera moment when we do our predictions for Money in the Bank, which that'll be next week, obviously. But um, I'm obviously bringing it up right now because Balor's here on NXT. So I got to do a little Money in the Bank talk here. But like we said, we knew Seth was going to retain his title, and he did. And... You know, I'm just intrigued to see where Braun Breaker is going to go from here because I don't think there's anything left for Braun Breaker to do. Again, there's nothing left for him to do in NXT. There's no battles to fight. There's no rivalries to continue unless they want to have him and Dragunov finish things off at Great American Bash. I mean, but after that, what the fuck else are you going to do? What can you do? Nothing as right now, but we'll see what happens. So I don't give a shit money money in the bank. I'll just keep an eye on Facebook and YouTube, but I don't care. At all. All right, there, Vinny. Let's shut this thing down so I can eat and go to bed.
Well, that, ladies and gentlemen, will wrap up uh, this recap of NXT. Zach, as always, thanks for taking time on your busy schedule to join us, and I'll see you on the next one. Hopefully I could be there. Yes. Uh, I wish I could be there, but I couldn't. I am really broke. I have negative dollars in my bank account right now. Yay. But, uh, yeah, hopefully I could be there. All right. Make sure you guys follow the Boochcast. We're on Anchor. Anchor. Spotify. Spotify. Google Podcast. Google Podcast. And iHeartRadio. And iHeartRadio. Pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there, or be a super fan and follow us on all four hosting sites. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash theboochcast. We have archived episodes of the show as well as great content. Uh, make sure you also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at theboochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos. Visit our YouTube channel. Check out all of our YouTube content. And be sure to hit the subscribe button and ring that bell. Be notified when future content will be posted. I am in the process of trying to get some of the content done uh, within the next week or so. I'm very close to getting the tech issues fixed. And then I'll be able to send those videos out to you guys. Um, make sure, um, also, uh, that you follow us on Twitch, go to twitch.tv slash the boochcast. That's where we do our live wrestling watch parties. Our next watch party will be Saturday, August the 5th for WWE SummerSlam. Make sure you join us for the biggest party of the summer. And of course we have our live D and D show coming soon. Our boochcast booking battle and another special project in the works. And, of course, you can support the Boochcast by going to podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash the Boochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the Boochcast. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We have three levels you can donate at. Pick the one that works the best within your budget. We have our first level, which is $0.99, cents, $1 per month. We have a second level, which is $4.99, $5 per month. Same amount of money you would pay for a Peacock subscription. I know a lot of you guys out there aren't fans of the Peacock, so don't give them money. Give us money. We got better content than Peacock anyway. And we got the third and final level you can donate at, which is for a mere $9.99. $10 per month. Same amount of money we used to pay for a WWE Network subscription here in the United States. Ever since they sold the Peacock, you got to would have put that $9.99. $10.99, bring it over here. We got better content in the network, and unlike Endeavor, we have actually care about our fans are dedicated to giving the people what they want with the option of paying with your credit card or with gpay and the best part is all the money we raise goes back into the show in some capacity we used to upgrade our equipment we used to bring in bigger name guests pay the bills and take care of all the guys who work very hard on the air and off the air to make the boochcast a success so if you got a favorite co-host and believes they're to be paid for their hard work podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash the boochcast slash support is how you make that happen and then if there's any money left over when it's all said and done we use the rest to feed Zachariah Scott his ramen noodles and try to get him laid. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Boochcast. Talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, pizza baby. baby. Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. Eddie. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.